I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So that's one of the greatest sermons ever preached. If anyone ever walks up to you and says, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, send them that sermon and tell them to draw it. Welcome to Southside Church Online. Today we're gonna be talking about the power of words, the physical, relational, emotional, and spiritual power of words. I'll give you a powerful word, honored. I am so honored that you would invite me into your place, wherever that place might be today. Let's pray. God, thank you for the power of words. I pray over every single person 
within the sound of my voice right now, whether they're watching it live or whether they're watching it a day from now, a year from now, five years from now, God, I pray for hope. I pray for strength. I pray for joy. I pray for courage. I pray for purpose. I pray for vision. I pray for kindness in Jesus' name. I pray for patience. And Jesus, I pray that you would remind every single one of us right now in this moment that we were called according to your purpose to be born into this time, in this season, in this moment. And I pray, Father, that we would focus today, tomorrow, for the days to come, every day on what we can do, not on what we can't do, but what we can do every day, and that we would keep moving forward. And God, as I speak right now, I pray that hope would rise. I pray that determination would deepen and that inspiration would increase. I pray this in your name. And everybody said, wherever you are, amen. Amen. So as I start today, I want to practice a little bit of time travel and a little bit of revisionist history. So let's imagine first that you and me, we traveled back in time to August the 28th of 1963 to the March on Washington. And let's imagine that as we got there, along with 300,000 other people, that Martin Luther King began his speech. But let's revise it a little bit. Let's imagine for a second that when he stood up, he didn't preach the incredible sermon that we've already heard today, but he, he changed it up a little bit. He said something like this. Hey, everybody, how are you? You might have heard that there's a little bit of controversy right now in our country between black people and white people. And of course, that's overblown. It's nothing to worry about. It's all good. It's all good. So have a great day. Enjoy your lunch. And remember that you and only you can prevent forest fires. Once again, it's all good. Now, had Martin Luther King said that in August the 28th of 1963, that would have been weird. Because in 1963, the United States of America was in a race war. There was a battle against racism. And it's amazing as I stand here today, on May the 31st of 2020, realizing that I planned this, the outline of this sermon, four months ago. And here I am today realizing that that battle against racism has still not been won. That with the heartbreaking events of even this week, we realize that we have so much farther to go. And I want to talk about it a little bit. I want to talk about the murder of George Floyd a little bit. But I want to be really, really careful how I do. Speaking as a white man from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. To stand up here and to pretend that I could relate would be ridiculous. I can't. I can't relate, but you know what? I can apologize. So first of all, let me say this. If you are someone that at any point in your life has felt afraid or threatened. If you are someone that at any point in your life has been harmed or injured for no other reason than you look a little bit different or you look different than the powers that be, honestly, I can't relate. But I can apologize. I'm so sorry. It should not be so. 
If you're someone that at any point of your life, you've been marginalized, you've been made to feel like less than or lower than or overlooked or undervalued because you look different than the powers that be. I can't relate, but I can apologize. And I just want to say I'm so sorry. It should not be so. I've said so many times in sermons that we're all God's children. We're all a part of this family called human. All of us. No matter your race or your creed or your color or your language or your beliefs, no, ma no matter whether you are a have or a have not, we're all part of one family. And if you've ever felt like for some reason you don't fit into that family or you're not good enough for that family, for no other reason than you look different than the powers that be, I can't relate, but I can apologize. I'm so sorry. It should not be so. And just so that I'm crystal clear, I kind of want to let you know where we're coming from here. We believe firmly that there is infinitely more things that should unite all of us, regardless of creed, regardless of color, regardless of language, regardless of skin tone. There is infinitely more that should bring us together than should ever tear us apart. And we are going to act like that. And just in case you're sitting there right now thinking to yourself, oh, this is, this is a problem in the United States. This doesn't affect us in Canada. Let me be really clear. Put yourself in the place of a Canadian person whose family came from Southeast Asia six generations ago. And they're walking down the street over the last 10 weeks in Canada, only have a person roll down their window and yell, go back to Wuhan. See, that's not okay. That's hate. And we might not be able to fix everything, but we can do something. So here's, I, I wanna give you a place to start. Martin Luther King Jr. himself said that hate can't drive out hate, so only love can do that. So why don't you start by loving the people around you? Why, why don't you look for an opportunity to love people who don't look like you, who don't sound like you, who don't believe like you believe? Why don't you take a second and ask them some questions? Ask them how they're doing and how they're feeling and if there's anything you can do to help. Why don't we start there? Because a long time ago, we made a statement here at Southside and we said, we are for this city. What are we here for? Why do we exist? We are for this city. And it's amazing to me because over the last weeks, what we've seen is that people from cities all over the world have been tuning in at Southside Church Online. So let me be really clear. You are for your city. We are for Houston. We are for Sacramento. We are for St. John. We are for Brisbane. And we can't fix everything but we can start by doing something. We can look around for an opportunity to love somebody who looks different, who sounds different, who even believes different than we believe. But let's go back to August 28th, 1963. If Martin Luther King would have stood up and said, it's all good, that would have been insane. See, in 1963 in the United States, in, in, in the Southern states, black people were getting murdered with plenty of witnesses and the guilty party. 
a white person would be acquitted in 15 minutes by a jury of white people. In 1963 in the United States, the Ku Klux Klan was still alive and well and marching and burning crosses and blowing up black churches with no retribution. In 1963 in the United States, there was many states where black children could not go to the same schools as white children. In 1963 in the United States, black people had the right to vote, but in many, many jurisdictions, white supremacists made it known that they would be watching. And if a black person dared to go exercise their constitutional right to vote, that there would be retribution, violent retribution against them and their family. So if Martin Luther King Jr. would have stood up on August the 28th, 1963, and said it's all good, that would have been insane, and it would have been harmful. It's interesting because just today I read a caption on Instagram, and it said, racism is from the pit of hell. That's actually a really great description. Racism is from the pit of hell. That's where it comes from. Hate is from the pit of hell. See, we've been looking for the last little while as a church at the New Testament book of Jude, and and Jude says, can I be honest with you? It's not all good. It's not all good. There's a spiritual battle going on in our world. It's the reason why we all realize there's a bit of a gap in this world, right? There's a gap between the way the world should be and the way the world really is, and We see it in our own lives, too. There's a gap between the life that we should be living but the life that we are living. There's a gap between the person that I I am and the person that I should be. The story that I am telling and the story that I know that I could, that I should tell. That's the battle. That's the resistance that we face. We have a friend in Jesus and an enemy in the devil. It's a battle, really, between freedom and bondage. But Jude said, here's the good news. There is resistance but we can step into freedom. The, 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 the freedom that Jesus purchased for us through his life and his death and his resurrection. Jude says, you gotta stand up and you gotta take hold of it and you gotta walk into it. You gotta walk into freedom. And that's what the book is about, how we do that. So we're gonna to continue today in verse 14. Jude says this, look, the master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all. Convicting each person of every defiling act of shameless sacrilege, of every dirty word they have spewed, of their pious filth. These are grumpers, the belly acres grabbing for the biggest piece of the pie, talking big, saying anything they think will get them ahead. It's amazing how often Jude talks about the power of words. That our words can either build up or they can tear down. But can I, can, can I give you a spiritual truth that's really, really important for all of us to understand today? That when you speak words that build up, you yourself spiritually will be built up. And when you speak words that tear down, you yourself spiritually will also be torn down. And so what I want to do over the next two weeks is I want to get really practical and I I want to talk about how we can build up and be built up with the words that we use. But today I want to tell you a story and you're going to love it and you're going to remember it. And it starts like so many of my stories start on the last day of grade four. On the last day of grade four, 
the grade four students from River Glen Elementary School in Red Deer, Alberta, took their annual trip to Fort Calgary. And as grade four students, we had been looking forward to this day ever since the last day of grade one. See, because on the last day of grade one, all the grade four students got on the buses at the end of school talking about how awesome it was to go to Fort Calgary for the whole day. And they always had these little paper bags with them full of like these old fashioned candies, right? Like taffy and peanut brittle and jawbreakers. And they, and they, they had this licorice always that looked just like a tree branch. Awesome. And sometimes they would share it with the other kids in the bus. I wasn't the kind of little boy who anybody shared anything with, but that was okay. That was okay because my time was coming. So I waited through grade two, I waited through grade three, three, I waited through grade four, and about a week before the trip was scheduled to leave, my grade four teacher pulled me aside and he said, this trip is a privilege and you don't deserve it. You're a behavior problem, you can't go on the trip. And I guess for me, the enduring memory of that day was leaning against this shelf full of dictionaries, looking out the window and watching the buses pull out with 100 grade four students heading to Fort Calgary as I stayed behind. And it's funny how life will label you, isn't it? Step to that point in my life, I kind of had this notion that I wasn't really doing great. Like I, wasn't, I wasn't really great at being quiet when the teacher said to be quiet. I wasn't really great at paying attention when the teacher said to pay attention. I, I wasn't really great in fitting in on the school bus. I wasn't really great at being quiet when the teacher said to be quiet. But in that moment, leaning against the dictionaries, looking out the window at those buses pull out, it hit me. Oh no, I'm bad at this. Oh, like, like I'm bad at life. Like there's a, there, there, there's a line somewhere that separates uh, worthless people from worthwhile people. And that line is just on the other side of this stack of dictionaries. The worthwhile people are on a bus headed to Fort Calgary. The worthless people are in here. And the summer between grade four and five was pretty tough. I remember we went out to visit some friends way out in the country in, uh, in Alberta. And the guy was a welder. He was restoring this 1954 Chevy pickup truck. And it was, I thought it was, I was nine years old. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so my dad and him were talking and, and I ran over and I jumped in the truck, closed the door behind me and as I sat there, I heard a bit of a buzzing noise and I noticed there was a wasp flying around in the truck. And around that time, what I realized was that in the process of restoring this 1954 Chevy truck, he had taken the door handles off of the inside so there was no way for me to get out. And then one wasp became two wasps and what I realized that there, there was a wasp nest in the seat that I was sitting in. And pretty soon it was a whole nest of wasps in this truck that I was trapped in. I don't know how long it took my dad to come and pull me out, but it was bad. I had stings like all over me. And it's really funny how life will label you, you know? Like you just had this concept like, I'm bad at this. I'm, I'm bad at this whole life thing. Like there's a line between worthless and worthwhile people. <laughs> and definitely the worthwhile people are outside of the cab of the truck with the wasp nest. The summer between grade four and five was also the summer that the kids who picked on me in the school bus all year long decided it was so fun during the school year that they needed to continue it during the summer. So I'd be riding my bike around the, uh, the subdivision of acreages where we lived, and if they spotted me, they would chase me. And my bike was a lot, I was littler than them, and my bike was littler, and so I would pump my pedals as hard as I could, and sometimes I wouldn't get away, and that was bad. And sometimes I would, and I would sprint into the house, and I would hide. 
It's funny how life labels you, though. Because I would sit there, cowering in the corner, looking out the corner of the window, and I thought to myself, oh, I'm bad at this. I'm bad at life. Like, there, maybe there's a line separating worthless and worthwhile people. Well, the worthwhile people are out there waiting for me on the street to beat me up. The worthless people are in here cowering in a corner. It was around that time, too, that I started to notice that every time my mom and dad asked me to do something around the house, I just did it wrong. I don't know whether it was because I wasn't trying or I couldn't focus, but I would just watch them, and, and, and so often I would realize that something that I was supposed to do, they had to go over and do themselves later. So existentially, <laughs> I came limping into grade five. My grade five teacher was named Mrs. Bass. And now I want to tell you something kind of crazy. About a week ago, one of my classmates from River Glen Elementary in Red Deer, Alberta, reached out to me on Instagram. I haven't heard from her since grade five. Her name is Kathy Sisson. I remember that because I got sent to the principal in grade three for calling her Sissy Sisson, okay? So I remember that really, really well. So she reached out to me and she said, I wanna, I wanna send you a picture that I found of our class. I said, what grade? She said, grade five. I said, you gotta be kidding. So here's the picture. And Mrs. Bass, well, you see her. She's in the top right of the picture. I really liked her. I liked her for a couple reasons. Number one, from the very first day of school, she, uh, she read out loud to us from this book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I just thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. For a kid who could never sit still and never shut up, I just sat there, like mesmerized. And the second reason I loved her, probably the more important reason, is because she was new and she didn't know me. So I thought to myself, man, I get a clean slate and a fresh start because that's what we all want, right? She doesn't know that I'm the kid that couldn't sit still in grade one. She doesn't know that I'm the kid that couldn't shut up in grade two. She doesn't know that I'm the kid that called Kathy Sisson, Sissy Sisson in grade three. She doesn't know that I'm the kid that couldn't go to Fort Calgary in grade four. She doesn't know that I'm bad at life. I get a fresh start. So on the third day of school of grade five, we, we had to run laps around the track. I don't know why they made us do that, and I don't know why we did it, but we did. So we were running laps all lunch hour, and I remember running laps around the track, and Mrs. Bass was on the inside of the track, and she was walking. And I went to run past her once, and she grabbed my arm, just about gave me whiplash, and she stopped me, and she said, um, I've heard all about you, Mike Manis. And so that was bad news. <laughs> That broke my little nine-year-old heart. So she knew that I was bad at life. She knew who I was. She said, uh, I've heard all about you, Mike Manis. I've heard you're a troublemaker and you're gonna cause me trouble. But I've been watching you and I don't believe it. I see an amazing young man who could do anything he set his mind to. 30 seconds. And I wonder sometimes if Mrs. Bass went home that night knowing that she saved a little boy's life. 
I want to tell you that there's a twist coming to this sermon. So I need you to do me a favor. I can't tell you right now. I'll tell you at the end of the sermon, but you can't tune out now. You have to wait till the end of the sermon because there's an incredible twist to this. It's amazing how many times I thought of that 30-second conversation in the years to come. Like when I was 14 or 15 years old, I'd be riding on the bus on the way home from school and I wasn't getting picked on then. I had learned to play the game. I, I, I knew the things that I could say and the things I couldn't say. I knew how to act. I knew how to fit in. But the thing was, I'd be sitting there sometimes by myself on the bus thinking, yeah, yeah, I know how to play the game, but I'm still, I'm still bad at life. I'm just better at hiding it now. Like I'm still the kid that couldn't go to the field trip because I'm a behavior problem. And I would lean my head on the back of the seat in front of me, and I would think of that moment. I see an amazing young man who could do anything he said his mind. I see an amazing young man. I see an amazing young man. I see an amazing young man. And you know what happened? Every once in a while, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. I, I, I saw it a little bit too. I remember being 19 years old. I went to college, Red Deer College. By the time I was 19 years old, I was not getting picked on. I had really learned to play the game. I had honed my image to a T by the time I was 19. I was the kind of 19-year-old kid that was admired by guys and got a lot of attention from girls. On the outside, I looked like about as successful as you can get. I remember one night, it was about 10.30. I was sitting in a little study lounge just off the main hallway at Red Deer College. I remember I was listening to a Walkman, one of those yellow sports Walkmans. I was listening to U2 and they were singing this song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And I thought of this image that I had honed. But I realized it's only an image. It's a mask, it's pretend. Like I was really good at playing the game now, but, but I'm still bad at life. Like, like if, 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 if there's a line between worthless and worthwhile, I'm still on the worthless side. And I just remember that moment. I remember putting my face into my hands and there was tears rolling down my cheeks and I went back to that 30 seconds on the third day of grade five. I see, I see, I see an amazing young man who could do anything he set his mind to. And you know what? If I really, really squinted and I tried real hard, I could, I could kind of see it too. 10 years after the third day of grade five. That's it, really. Except for this. Measure your words. Measure your words. Someone's life might hang in the balance. Your life might hang in the balance. It was only a couple months later that I was all by myself again in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, in the middle of Red Deer, Alberta. And Jesus saved me. It's amazing because I think that those words that Mrs. Bass spoke on the third day of grade five prepared me for what Jesus was gonna to say to me that night. He said, I see you. I see you. You're amazing. I love you.
not the you that you're pretending to be, not your mask, not your image. I love you. I love you. And I feel like he sent me to give you a message today. So yeah, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what has been said to you. I don't know what has been said about you. I don't know what labels life has placed on you. But I need to tell you something. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Not the you that you're pretending to be. Not the you that you've kind of put out there for the world to see. He loves you. And if you've been wondering, man, what side of that line do I fit on? Like the, wor- the worthwhile or the worthless? I want to tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know the answer to that. You're amazing. You're amazing. Oh, the places you'll go, the things you'll do, you're amazing. And you're worthwhile. See, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history on a rescue mission. And if you were the only one in history who needed to be rescued, he thinks you're so worthwhile that he would have come just for you. And then he died on the cross so that we could have a clean slate and a fresh start because isn't that what we all want? And if you were the only one who needed a fresh start, he thinks you're so worthwhile that he would have died for just you. And then he rose again. He rose again. He defeated death. And when he stepped out of that empty tomb, I like to think that he said, let freedom reign. Let freedom reign in your life. Let freedom reign over the baggage of your past that you leave behind. Let freedom reign over that overwhelmed feeling of today because he'll get you through it one step at a time. Let freedom reign over the fears for tomorrow. He's got you. Let freedom reign forever. You're amazing. You're amazing places you'll go. The things you'll do. It's amazing. You're amazing. So I said at the beginning of the sermon that the first step is just to take hold of that freedom that Jesus already purchased for us. And I want to give us the chance to do just that. That's your first step into freedom. So if that's you, I'm going to pray out loud and I just ask wherever you are all over the world, can you just please pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for freedom. Today I ask you to be my savior, that you would set me free from the baggage and the regrets and the whispers of the voices of my past and the labels I leave them behind right now. And today, Jesus, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you that you rose again to give me strength for today, hope for tomorrow, and the promise of eternity. I am so thankful. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that, and I know many people did, your next step would be this. Please text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. You can also drop it in the chat right here on YouTube or Facebook. You can go on to our message box on southsidelife.com, but just send us that keyword life. We don't want to stalk you, but we really do want to support you.
Man, I'm excited for you. So I told you there was a twist at the end. Okay. So I've been talking to Sissy Sisson. I'm just kidding, Kathy. You're awesome. I've, I've been talking to Kathy. And, uh, well, here's the thing. I've been searching for Mrs. Bass for 20 years because I wanted to say thank you. And it turns out that Kathy has her phone number. And so Mrs. Bass, I know you're watching right now. You're 82 years young. There's a little nine-year-old boy who grew up to do amazing things, just like you said. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time out of your day that day. I don't know if you're having a good day or a bad day, but thank you for doing that. And I want to tell you right now, Mrs. Bass, you're not the only one watching this. There's thousands of people around the world who are going to get to watch this. And they're going to be inspired by you. And, and just like I was, they're going to be directed to a God who loves them unconditionally and is calling them to an amazing life because of your faithfulness. And the truth is, just one more thing, I need you to know, Mrs. Bass, this is not the first. I have a tendency to tell stories uh, more than once. I've told your story dozens of times to thousands of people. Thank you for the difference that you made in my life and so many others. So I just am going to leave you all with that. Mrs. Bass, I'm going to call you this week. I love you. Thank you. For all the rest of us, I want to give us two challenges. Number one, do, do you have somebody that you need to thank today? Could you please do that? Do you have a builder that you need to build up today? Does that make sense? I don't know whether you're having a good day or a bad day, but I know your day will get better if you build them up. And maybe someone is calling you to be a Mrs. Bass to someone else. Or maybe God is calling you to be a Mrs. Bass to someone else. Is there someone that you need to speak vision over and speak life over and encourage today? Man, I would love it. Love it if we could do that. I love you guys. You do not want to miss the next two weeks. I can't wait for it. Have a great week.